Good morning, everyone. My name is Keith. I'm the lead and teaching pastor here at Grassroots, and welcome you uh, to church this morning. If this is your first time here uh, at Grassroots, a warm welcome to you. Um, I uh, hope that you're finding everything that you need here. There's uh, lots to discover. Uh, if you have questions, you want to know more about the church and uh, the grassroots community, feel free to linger. There's always a community of people lingering afterwards. They're knocking things over, apparently. Lingering afterwards, and um, there's, a, there's a booth back there called the Discover Grassroots booth, so feel free to, if you have any questions, to, to visit that, and uh, someone will greet you there. Uh, today also is Father's Day, uh, so uh, happy Father's Day, everyone. Yeah. Um, it's a day for many people full of celebration and for many people full of pain and, and grief as well as we think of the fathers that have, um, that have gone before us. And uh, so if you're someone who's fathered in your life, we celebrate you. Uh, if you're someone who's lost a father today or, or someone, a father figure in your life, we grieve with you as well today. Uh, and um, I have a, the special privilege of having my dad in today. So happy Father's Day. <laughs> so, uh, if, uh, if this is your first time here, it's another uh, interesting week for you to be here because all of the month of June, we're doing kind of this experiment. Uh, there's this uh, uh, thing that churches do that we're experimenting with called a pastor in residence, which means that uh, the, the, the pastor, leading teaching pastor, gets a break for a month. <laughs> and uh, someone else comes in and uh, blesses the community uh, in their time off and in, in the uh, space that they have to come. So this month we are blessed with uh, a good friend of mine from Illinois. She's a pastor down in the Quad Cities in Rock Island, Illinois, uh, called The House is your church. And her name is Jen Swift, and she's here. She was here two weeks ago by video. She started off with a video sermon, if, if you were two weeks ago. And then last week she was here in person and gave a message. And all throughout this month, we've decided to focus on the theme of worship. Now, worship is something that we do alone in our, in our um, rooms by ourselves when no one else is watching. Worship is something that we do when other people are watching. And worship is something that God's people do together when we come together in various settings, such as this morning. And ever since I got here, I thought it would be great to do a series on worship. Because sometimes I think it's hard to know um, what worship is, even. How to incorporate it into our life. How to, what do we do with this corporate space when we get together? Um, what about those blocks in my life that have time and busyness? And how, does that, how, does the, how do we work through those things when it comes to praying and, and relating with our God who is ever-present, yet oftentimes we can't sense or, or, or uh, touch or, or see him around us. So these are kind of the questions which are bubbling up in this series this month of June. Uh, last week, um, two weeks ago, Jen was introducing the series. Last week we talked about private worship and what that looks like, and she's kind of now entering into this, pub, this uh, idea of public worship, um, which is different than corporate, but I'll let her get into all that. So anyway, um, Jen, glad you're here. Thanks for, for being here. I know that you've... Um, You've met with many people so far in your pastor-in-residence role. Uh, and there are, there are little pieces of paper on your chairs. And here's what those are for. Uh, if you have a question for Jen about worship, about uh, private worship or public worship or corporate worship, uh, because she has such limited time here, she can't meet with everyone, 
Uh, feel free to write your questions down on your, the piece of paper that's on your seat or the seat next to you. And then as you come up for communion today, you can just drop them in this basket. Jen and Jen, we had a number of questions last week, and Jen and I ended up doing two like hour and 15 minute podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically answering the questions, and we'll put those up uh, when I figure out how to edit a podcast. Um, <laughs> so anyway, there's those, that's what the papers are there for, and um, also invite you to, Jen does have a little bit of space in her schedule. This is her last full week coming up. She's leaving next Saturday or this upcoming Saturday. So if you want to meet with Jen one-on-one uh, -on -one or a group, group session with her, uh, just let me know, email me, or approach Jen afterwards, or approach me, and we can set you up with a, a visit with her if you'd like. So I think that's all the housekeeping involved. Jen, glad you're here and coming up, and we'll uh, be excited for it once more, once again. Thanks, guys. It was um, such a fun week to get to be here, well, to be here for a whole week for one. That was fantastic. Um, had a great time, got to do, um, eat a lot of good food, so I'm grateful for that. Um, made a lot of tortillas yesterday, that was <laughs> really fun. Um, and just get to have really great conversations with people. Um, I even got to go hiking uh, at Mink Mountain the other day. Um, so that apparently has some recognition. Mm -hmm. um, guys, I saw a bear. <laughs> So exciting. So thank you, Canada, for letting me see a bear this week. That was awesome. Um, I know we have bears in America. Like, I realize that that's, but not in Illinois. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for whoever ordered that up. That was kind of you. And I actually put it on my Instagram. It was the first thing I said, guys, I saw a bear. So you're like, a bear, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but a moose, I would really like to see one of those, too. So if somebody could take care of that, that would be awesome this week. If you could coordinate it, good. Um, so, yeah, such a good week. Oh, also, geocaching, does anybody know what that is? I've been, I love geocaching. <laughs> um, and I took uh, Keith's girls geocaching this week, and they are fiends at it. They're so good. Um, Autumn found two of them, and she was like, puffed up with great pride. She, every time she found one, she's like, I think I found one. She was so excited. So that was super fun. I've had a really great week. Good week of just, yeah, mixing with um, like some really like fun and recreational time um, mixed with meaningful conversation. Going through your questions this week um, and sitting with some of you was really lovely. Like your questions are so great. And I just wanna thank you for your vulnerability um, with putting those out there. I know it's, it's kind of safe to put an anonymous question around, but like to let those be questions that exist among your community, like that's a vulnerable thing and that's wonderful. Like that's, I just wanna tell you, thank you so much for um, sharing that and letting, um, and letting that be a conversation that grows in this community for um, a number of things. So I look forward to interacting with you through this magical basket this week. Thank you for uh, in advance for anything that you guys would like to throw um, our way. Yeah, it was really fun to get to do that. So, so over the last two weeks, we've been talking about worship. We're talking about worship the whole month. Um, and we've talked about it in terms of a spectrum of engagement, right? So there's like the very exclusive, alone, private uh, experience that we have with God. 
moving through to a mid-range public experience, and that's what we'll talk about today. And then, and then also public, but a variant of it all the way over on the other side being corporate or congregational, where it's like, where this is like you, just singly you, to being us, fully us. And what we do and how we experience God sort of on that spectrum of engagement and experience. We have said that our relationship with others, um, the things that we experience, the health, the unhealth, that tends to inform our relationships and how we relate with God. We bring that stuff, the learned behavior, the reactions and the responses, even our triggers, we bring that all into our experience with God and often have to come to terms with the reality that what we're doing a lot of times is projecting our human experience and our human engagement onto God and expecting the same kind of things back. Um, and that's something that I hope that this, during this time we are doing. Um, I can't do that for you, but I would implore you to ask yourself hard questions and dig deep and go face-to-face -face with yourself um, in a mirror and go face-to-face -face with God um, as he gently wants to reveal things to you about where our brokenness in our human relationships show up in our life with him. We talked about a list of things last week. Like I said last week, it's not a conclusive and it's not exhaustive um, list as far as like these are the core things that always should be a part of your private worship with God. But they hopefully are a helpful list and um, we can go ahead and put that up on the screen. A helpful list that is um, scripturally based things that we want to bring into our relationship with God. We want there to be honesty and vulnerability. We want to be reverent. And partnered with that is humility, right? We said that you can't be reverent if you're not also humble. We want to be sacrificial, offering to God our worship, our hearts and affections, knowing that he does not owe us anything. We worship God because he's worth it. It's transformative. Time with him will change you. It's sincere, Love must be sincere. It's focused on God. And it's done with our whole selves, mind, body, heart, and soul. And since actually this is the only slide, we can just leave this up the whole time. So if you want to just use this as a point of reflection every now and then, feel free to. Um, those are things that, that are really, really vital to have a part of our private experience with God. Because if it's, if it's not present there, it will not show up anywhere else, right? It will not show anywhere else. What's done in private will be proven in public. And so we want that stuff to be, we want that to be true of ourselves all the time, but we have to practice it in those private spaces where it is, honestly, at the start, uncomfortable. And even through different seasons of our life, it is challenging to re-engage with honesty and vulnerability, humility, getting back to experiencing a reverence for God, those sorts of things. And that for our, God, for our worship with God to be enriching and alive and full when speaking of public engagement, it must have these things in the private, in the private engagement. Guys, there are so many things that I want to say today. I won't say them all. That's what the podcasts are for. But um, 
there's like a whole slew of like notes that I have that I'm like, if we go this, it's like a choose your own adventure book. Do, does anybody remember those? Yeah, those are really fun, right? Like, if you want to have this adventure, turn to this page. That's kind of where I'm at this morning. Like, if I feel like the Spirit is leading us this direction, I'm going to go to the last page. If I feel like the Spirit is saying this, I'm going to go to page six. So um, so bear with me, and uh, I think God has some really dear things for us um, and important things, but also I think that there may be some hard things to hear this morning as well. So let's just stay open. I'm going to go ahead and pray over that, um, that he would lead us. So, Sovereign Lord, we are um, trusting your word to be before us this morning. We're trusting your spirit to guide us. There's something unique and special that happens when there's a community together that does not and cannot happen when we are on our own um, and so help us, help the open, you know, open the eyes of our heart, as Paul prayed, that we would be aware of you and the things that you're saying, that you would set things deeply in us, and that there would be truths that come out this morning that would be undeniable for us. I guess that, that there would be things that would be very clear direction for us, for any of us, um, from this point. So lead us in this morning specifically with your word and um, yeah, our time with it. May your name cover these things. Amen. So in Isaiah 29, Isaiah is an amazing book of worship. If you want to really dig into some things about what worship looks like, Isaiah is a beautiful place to be. Um, it's prophetic. So it's, some of it's hard. I mean, that's kind of the thing about prophecy is that some of it, bringing forth a truth that we are overlooking can be very difficult. So Isaiah 29, 13, and 14 say, these people come near to me with their mouth. By the way, this isn't the only time that something that I'm about to read shows up that looks like this kind of thing, this kind of forthcoming word of truth. Um, Isaiah 1 shows that I think 49, like there's a number of other places that this idea, these people come near to me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. It is possible, and we know this to be true because of how we interact with human beings, Right? That we can say a lot of things, but the truth in our heart is very different. We want to say something, but we don't want it to sound, or we don't want them to know, or we don't want them to know the truth in our hearts. And so we say something entirely different, and we are misleading, right? And we practice that with people. And, you know, you imagine if you practice that with people long enough, that's going to show up in other areas, Right? If you practice that with people, anything you practice is going to show up regularly. Um, and we practice more than we realize we do. But we practice so much this honoring people and saying things to people um, without having the truth behind it. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules that they have taught. I mean, a few thousand years ago, God was calling us out as human beings for doing that, right? It's a pretty... It's pretty uh, yeah, it's, it's showing up again. What's the word I'm looking for? We're predictable. I guess I could say that. So 
in light of that, this turning of our hearts and our minds, I, I wanted to spend some time actually digging back into what worship is, and I know we're going to talk about what it looks like in a public um, idea, but I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into worship just to make sure that we're all on the same page with that. So we've worked with this definition of turning our hearts and affections towards God, turning our hearts and affections their hearts are far from me. Their worship is based merely on human rules that they have been taught. We want to turn our hearts and affections towards God. Um, Hebrews 12 talks about this and gives us an assistance with this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our, perfecter of our faith. Fixing our eyes on the source of our faith. That would make sense. If there is a source, we should be looking to it. Um, anybody know the author Madeline Langle or the book A Wrinkle in Time? I know that that movie came out not too long ago. So she's a favorite author of mine. Um, and she wrote a series of journals that are honest. They're beautiful. If you want to talk about honesty and see what that looks like, those are a great place to start. She has a series of journals that were published, um, and she talks about a child at play. This is a passage, I'm not kidding you, I have underlined it, I have copied it for people, I have read it a million times, a bit of an exaggeration, but I w it wouldn't be exaggerating to say that I've read it nearly a hundred. Like, it's a passage of this, it's so good, and it's so honest. She talks about a child at play, and they are entirely fixed, when they are looking at whatever it is, if there's a bug in the ground that they're like digging at, you know, because they're like fascinated by it, you cannot pull their attention away. If they are really, really excited about coloring and they are coloring, some of your kids are like ravenous about coloring, right? You cannot get them turned away from it, right? How many have kids that like Minecraft? Yeah. I was going to say, that probably will touch something. And all of a sudden, they've entirely forgotten their names, haven't they? They don't know what their names are when you are calling them 5, 10, 25 times in a row trying to get them to come out of this fixation that they have on their world that they are making, how many resources they have and whatnot. So we know what it looks like to be fixed on something, and we know that we're capable of it, right? We're really capable of it. Here's a little side note about us as human beings. We actually never stop being children. I know that we grow older and we add numbers to our age, but we don't actually cease to be children or childlike. It's still in us. And especially in perspective of the Father looking down on us, we do not ever arrive, guys. You could be in your 80s, and I know, I know that there are people in their 80s that still feel like, it's the, it's the thing that you're like, when every time you add a new year, you're like, but I don't feel this age, right? Can you understand that? Yeah. Um, I'm 42. I said this last week. I don't know how I got here. This is, a, this is baffling to me. Like, I, I get that there are birthdays that we keep adding up every year, but like every year I'm like, I'm not this age, Right? I'm still like 20 because I remember that so well. We are still children, and when God looks at us, he still sees his kids. He still sees his kids. We're really not that far away from our own childhood, and we can still be fully transfixed on something. We can be fully enraptured by something. It is still possible. 
So that's what being fixed on something looks like. And when you are fixed, other things matter less or not at all, right? And I think as adults, you have experienced that to a degree, but we don't give ourselves over to that as much anymore. We don't have a practice of it, do we? We don't. Those are not the things that we're practicing. What do you think happens when God, the creator of the universe, the almighty, ancient, and forever one, has someone's full, undivided, and wholly fixed attention on him? What do you think can happen? What would that look like? And when was the last time you were totally overwhelmed and completely consumed by God? When was the last time that happened for you? So to begin with, let's fully fix our eyes on Jesus and give him all of our attention. And honestly, compared to what I'm about to say next, that may, be even the, that may even be the easy part. It may just be super easy in comparison to the turning of our heart. This is the difficult stuff of transformation. And as we said, worship will transform us, 100%. It will transform us, always. Um, I said last week that worship, worshiping God is transformational and that it has the power to transform us if we want it to, if we let it. And so as our minds begin to be transformed to the likeness of Christ, we start seeing things with Christ's perspective. We start understanding things the way Christ does. We start seeing a bigger picture. Our worldview starts changing, and so does our heart. It starts to beat like God's. The challenging part of that is we are not practiced in feeling things deeply and in a healthy way. We don't have a good practice of digging into that experience because we don't want our lives to be interrupted, and they, they absolutely will be. Our lives will be entirely interrupted, and they will become entirely dismantled as Christ transforms us. That's the word, right? that he wants to transform us to the likeness of his son. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so in this way, we start seeing that instead of trying to figure out how to integrate Jesus into our lives, squeezing him in, making time for him, and, and figuring that out, how to structure our lives with a section of Jesus plugged into a spot, Right? I get it. We heard a question this week, and it's an honest and real one. 100% understand it. I honestly cannot figure out how to make more time. I totally understand it. But the paradigm needs to be reconstructed. So if we try to squeeze Jesus in, if we try to make more time, we will not, we won't accomplish it. We might accomplish it for a week, and then we're going to beat ourselves up because we failed. We will have to build new houses entirely, one in which the whole practice of existence is built upon him, which means something, sometimes starting over with what you believe, what you know, what you think. As Christ transforms you, that stuff will also be transformed, and you might have to move out of the house that you're in or just burn it down entirely and start over from the foundation, right? So worship from a transformed life will look very different than worship out of a life that is trying to conform to the patterns of this world. And so instead of asking God to fix his eyes on what's happening with our lives, which is a lot of times what we ask him to do, but God, don't you see my problems? He knows. 
He knows. There's nothing in your life he does not know. What he's asking you to do is for not for both of us to look at our problems and look at our situation and look at our stress and look at what's complicating our lives. And, 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 and I shouldn't say, I, I don't mean any of that like tongue-in-cheek um, because the things that are, we are experiencing are real and they really affect us, yes. But if we continue to ask God to fix his eyes on our thing, then we're both looking at this thing and as he tries to change it, we're both just kind of looking at it and we have other ideas of how that should go. Instead, we're going to just do much better if we're fixing our eyes on him. Just being completely fixated, consumed, and fully, fully taken in by him like a child would be with their Minecraft. And nothing else has their attention and nothing else matters as much. Then he is free to be God over that thing over that piece of your life, over that stressor, that thorn, that whatever it is. And what I want to make clear about what it is that we're, what I'm talking about is that not, I'm not saying we are ignoring what's, ex, what's going on. And that's what we sometimes can feel like is happening. We're not ignoring it. But by worshiping God and fixing our eyes on him, he is magnified properly to a place in our lives, in our sight, where we begin to honestly see him as the sovereign, loving, completely capable of handling your uh, life without his, your instruction, God, that he is. I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've noticed this a number of times, and this has been transforming in my life, transforming, <clears throat> that there are things that I will, I'll, I will lay it before God. Make your request known to God. Absolutely. He wants you to do that. Make your request known to him, fixating on him, looking at him, not the thing, right? Make your request known to God and let him handle it. Open-handedly release it. That's really hard. We need to do that maybe a few times. But again, it's a practice, right? Release your thing to God, whatever it is. And, and I've noticed that he's done this so many times. When I am fixated on him, I honestly forget about it. There have been times that I've honestly forgotten about the thing that was so, like, the thing that was, like, here, right? I've forgotten about it. And like a month or two, or even sometimes years will go by, and then I will see something he's done that I'm like, oh my gosh, you were, you were working on this the whole time. Like something will either have a resolution or a change in it. It may not even be resolved as much as I just see a spark of hope, maybe even years later. And I'm like, oh, that thing that we talked about, you were on it. And I had, because I had stayed fixed, on looking ahead at him, my energy wasn't consumed in worrying about it and trying to fix it. I just handed it over. And then in the background, while I was working on the life that he's given me to live, these things were worked out or moved ahead or I found peace. Maybe the thing wasn't resolved, but I found new resolution and peace within my heart as I got a few years down the road from that thing or whatever it was. God is at work. There is no point in our life in which when we hand our lives over to Christ, we say, this is yours. And he later on says, oh, by the way, I forgot this whole section of your life over here. I'm going to get working on it, but I had entirely forgotten about it. And I really apologize. It was off my radar. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. 
That's not a thing that exists. And so you can rest assured that as you stay fixed on him and your hearts and your affections are turned to him, he is on it. You are the apple of his eye. He is on it. So these are the things that I wanted to address about what worship looks like and how it transforms us and what it looks like, not as a part of our life and, and a side experience that we squeeze in, but as the foundational core of how we build our homes called these lives that we live. So now, regarding the public worship component, which is where we are today, this is the place where we find ourselves on the spectrum. And, and this is the, if it were relating to human to human, so that we can get some, um, just some parallel perspective. If this is the human to human relationship, this would be like you're out on a date or grabbing coffee with a friend. Um, perhaps like you were in a large group, but you've pulled away to the side to have a private conversation with somebody. You are with the other, but people are around. It's like the hike that you take out in a public space with friends. You might come across some people. It may even be the car ride out on the road where you are definitely putting on your own private concert, except that everybody still sees you. Who in their car is like the best singer in the world? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's true. More of you that uh, then raised your hand, that's true for there's the acknowledgement and the reality of being with another and somewhat exclusively. That's how that kind of looks on the spectrum. And, and people will likely recognize that there is some kind of small boundary to cross before they might fully brought, be brought, back, brought into that space as well. Um, so you might see, like, okay, so it's the, it's the date or it's the friends out for a coffee or it's the private conversation happening at a party. So if you are a person seeing this happen, you see that there's something very publicly private about this, right? It's a conversation that isn't super intimate, but it's exclusive. And you probably should be careful about just jumping right into it, right? That's how we understand that. So you might see that and possibly know that you could be invited in that conversation, but you want to be respectful of that sort of quiet boundary that's there, right? So you might Go, you might see your friends out on a date, and you might want to go say hi. You're not probably going to, like, land at their table that night. So you might just go over and be like, sorry to interrupt. Pardon us. We just wanted to say hi. You know, we just wanted to let you know we were here, and, you know, it's that kind of thing. So it's awareness of others while still having exclusivity and, and some boundaries on that. So there are varying degrees of that, right? Like, that coffee um, with friends might say, oh, hey great to see you. Have a seat. You know, like, that may happen. You don't know if it will. But when you have this private, public experience with God, I spoke of it yesterday or last week a little bit. Like, we're in this room. We're all, like, singing. And I just had a moment with God that was just very personal in spite of the fact that we're in this large room, right? Um, that is one example of it. I traveled um, somewhere a few years ago, and there was this stunning landscape that I was in front of, and I was so moved to respond to God's greatness. I was overwhelmed, and I just started singing, How Great Thou Art. I mean, I'm looking at this magnificent waterfall. I'm in this place. Like, everything about it was like, ah. And so I'm singing, How Great, how great, thou, art, how great, how great thou Art. There are people walking by. It's happening. But 
here's the thing about this closeness with God. If there is honesty and vulnerability, if there is reverence and humility, if it is transforming me and my love of God is sincere and it is focused on him and it is with my whole self, then it doesn't matter where I am. I want to respond to my Savior out of the love that I have for him. And I want to be bold enough to do that. But if I'm not practicing that in private, I won't have that sense that I can just freely worship God and honor him anywhere that I am. And it's not about a public display. That's not the point. It's more to the fact that I want to have the freedom to just let my heart sing and honor him and love him wherever I am. Now, those of you that are in a romantic relationship, like that's not a weird concept to us as human beings, right? Because if you're in a romantic relationship, you have affection for that person and you turn your heart and affection towards that person publicly. And that's not weird, right? It's something we actually like seeing. We, we like seeing, it's, it's a, um, often it is a good example of health, right? It can be a very good example of health. Like, oh, they, they clearly have a respect for one another. And, and there are no, like, there's no place that that's not okay to, to show respect and kindness and, and care. So I have, um, well, I'll, let me say this first. So I, as a Christ follower, I want to be, I want to be open about my love for Christ. I want to not be ashamed of that and hold that just in the private places. I have, um, Friends, Fred and Becca, they are fabulous. They, are, they have a really, really special relationship, and it's one that I genuinely admire. They're fabulous people, and as a marriage, um, I admire their marriage, but I admire their friendship with each other as well. <clears throat> They've really developed this in their time together, and I see such evidence of that when I get to spend time with them, um, and that's moving and, and, and seeing that moving, and so, you know, if I spend time with them, that's moving into a more public sphere, right? It's, it's still a little bit close to the private end, but it's moving towards that public space of, like, others are around. Um, and I see such evidence of what they've developed in their private time together in their public time when I'm with them. So, you know, even when, like, we go out for lunch or something, um, their alliance, their intimacy, their respect can't be denied. And it's very special to get to witness that and to experience that. And that is why I want to be able to worship God freely wherever I am. Because it's such a special, life-giving relationship that I value so deeply that I want to be able to honor and respect God wherever I am. And that if it is honest, it will be authentic. And if it's vulnerable, it'll be authentic. And the very same thing that I experience with my friends, Fred and Becca, when I'm brought into that, like I said, it's very special to witness it and to experience that. That's something about our relationship with God that in our public experience, moving from our private experience, can also then affect other people's lives. Does that make sense? I want to add this little bit, um, and I think we are probably going to start winding down here. If we can't be honest, we can't be authentic. I did say that. 
and, and by honesty and authenticity in like a more public space, that doesn't mean to be explicit. I wanna be very clear about that because sometimes that idea of being honest and vulnerable outside of the, those more close spaces feels scary. Um, and I don't, so I mean to say, you don't have to be explicit in the public area. Like you don't have to air out all your dirty laundry and we are not expecting you to, right? Um, and church folk, folk, you don't need to know the details of what somebody is talking about and saying and thinking to know um, how, to, how to see honesty and authenticity um, and for somebody to be on, honest and authentic. The reason why people don't want to be honest in a little bit more of a public setting and to, to show that vulnerability with God in a public space is because we're just really good at judging that, right? And that is something that we as, as believers and as human beings just have to keep in check. Um, and so real pain comes from that. And this is how really, honestly, too, how relating to others often shows up in relating to God and why we don't have this honesty with him because we're, we're a little scared of it. And it also hurts sometimes. Like it brings up triggers, it, it brings up pain, and that's really real. And I, I guess what I want to just take a moment to say and have some recognition of is that your worship and turning of your hearts and affections towards God does not have to put your pain and your hurt away. It doesn't have to put it somewhere else where it doesn't exist. It can be on the table. Um, it's the making your requests known to God, making your heart known to God, making things known to God, but with open hands. He's not thrown off by, he's not threatened by your hurt or your pain. He wants, you, he wants to welcome it because he'd like to transform it. Um, and he will if given the chance over time. It can take some time, but I would encourage you to, I, or I guess I just want to let you know, like as you worship him, bring that stuff with you. Don't try to put it somewhere else and put um, other veneer on it. It's this passage that we said, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The things that are really burdening and heavy in your hearts, don't let them be far. Psalm 34 says God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in their spirits. That felt like that resonated. Um, bring that before God when you worship him. When you turn your hearts towards him, turn your whole heart towards him and let him have a hand in that pain and that hurt and honesty. While worshiping God through my experiences, I was transformed, not in spite of them, but because of them. Um, there were some things that I had some deep pain about after I met Christ. I started doing the hard work of reconciling with that stuff. And in the awkward, clumsy um, walk towards God, as I tripped over all that stuff, was so much a necessary part of my growth and experience um, because it kept the conversation so honest. It kept my worship so honest. So as you seek to 
experience God in these private places, and that may be a, a tough, even just a tough journey for some of you still. That's fine. Um, I encourage you to keep at it, to try one of these things this week in that private time. But then as you move out of that private experience into the range of public experiences that you can be in, your honesty, which leads to authenticity, as I said about my friends Fred and Becca, I loved witnessing and experiencing that relationship. Imagine somebody who has some heavy things going on in their lives, but they don't know that Jesus wants to help with that. And they see honesty in your life as you are bringing that from an honest place of worship into a public place. And they see that, and they witness it, and they experience it. They will see you being transformed because of your worship of God and you being open about that. And that is the thing that a broken world wants to see. Can God transform me? I mean, does God exist, one? And if he does, what does that look like in somebody's life? What does that look like in somebody's life? And moving our, this experience from the private space to the public one starts that conversation, starts that transformative work. In a, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to go back to some music worship. And you know, I mean, you've noticed that I haven't talked about music at all during this time of talking about worship. Because that's not what it is. Music is a, an amazing tool, and we use tools well. And we want to use tools, but it's not what it is. Um, and so I want to give you some space. Communion is worship, and, and Pastor Keith is going to lead us in that in just a moment. But I'm going to give you some space um, to kind of dig into some of this stuff personally. And I, I would invite you to take advantage of this time to do it, a place to do it, where we all understand what's happening, right? I know that this is a, is a community that doesn't quite know what to do with um, necessarily feeling comfortable always with like raising of hands for that, that's, that's a trigger for some people, I understand. Um, but let's just have a moment of safety here that if you feel like that's something that makes sense to you, like a child would raise their arms to, to their dad to be lifted up, be a child for a moment, just experience that. Um, there's also places in the Bible that talk about like, uh, you know, receiving something from God or just letting his spirit fill you and you can... Just as a closed like, symbol, just have your hands open as a, as a sign of God, I'm, I'm willing to be transformed or changed. Um, also during music, you don't have to sing. I know that not all of you like it. That's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Um, you can reflect on the words, and I would encourage you to do so. But I want to give you some time to be very intentional about how you are responding to an opportunity to turn your hearts and affections towards God.